we're going to talk about restorers, and um, I'm not trying to force a Christmas theme into it, but uh, we are restorers because God is with us, because God is the only one who can restore. We talked about this last week, uh, two weeks ago, that we are called to be restorers. Why? Because Luke 4, 18 says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news, to heal the brokenhearted, to open prison doors. Guys, you should have been uh, memorizing this throughout the week, remember? Because you were supposed to get up and stand in front of the mirror or not stand in front of the mirror and repeat, repeat this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news, to heal the brokenhearted, to open prison doors, to, to recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed uh, free, and to proclaim the year of favor. And so the year of favor, as we discussed, is the year of jubilee. And what Jesus was saying is, I come to now declare perpetual jubilee. And jubilee was always about restoration. And then we talked about Isaiah 58, where we said, he's a repairer of the breach and the restorer of the streets to dwell in. We are called to be restorers. But the reason we can be restorers is because God is with us. And so if you look at Isaiah 7, Isaiah 7, verse 14, it talks about that. It's, uh, there was this king called Ahaz, and Isaiah goes up to Ahaz and says, Hey, Ahaz, ask for a sign. And Ahaz says, No, nah, I won't ask God for a sign. And that's when Isaiah says, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. That's in verse 11. He says, No, nah, no, nah, I won't. And so then Isaiah says, Well, here is the sign God is giving you. And he says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And the whole idea of Emmanuel is God with us. And so here's what we are saying, guys. We are saying, in him, God is with us. In him, as in in Christ, God is with us. But it also follows then that in him, Colossians 3.3, 3, God is with us. How is this different? First, in Christ, we know God was present. So we are saying, in him, God is with us. But it also says in Colossians 3.3, 3, that we are hidden in Christ. So in him, God is with us. Get used to this. I, I, I had three amazing dreams last night. Because I've been obsessed with this for so long, I'm beginning to dream it. I'm seeing dreams in which I, I, I'm responding to in him, God is with me. And therefore, I'm in a position to rebuke things, restore things, bring things to order, heal things. And in, in these three dreams, and there were different people in the dreams, it is so easy in a dream to have the courage to go and say, I know this is incurable, but you can be healed. I know you have an addiction to cigarettes and alcohol, but you can be healed. Not because of anything that we have, but because of God in us and with us and we in him. That's the whole idea of what we want to do today. And it's, there's a very simple way to do it. Needs a tiny bit of courage and foolishness. And in Christianity, both go together. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, on one hand, in Christ, God was with us. Because Christ walked here on earth as God. So, in Christ, God was with us. But then Colossians 3, 3 says, we are hidden in Christ. So in that sense, in him, 
God is with us again. It's both ways. We are in him and he is in us. Works out both ways. It's inseparable. Guys, here's the thing, eh? We are servants of his. Therefore, there is no question that we will be restored if we follow the steps of restoration. He says about Israel at one stage, uh, he, he puts it this way. He says, I have provided ways to redeem you. But should you not be redeemed and should you still stay as servants of others, I want you to know that you are my servant first, Israel. I brought you out of Egypt, so I will redeem you. As in it doesn't matter whose servant you presently may be. Maybe an addiction has mastered you. Maybe a sin has mastered you. Maybe a, a, a situation has mastered you. But God is saying you must remember that whatever be your master now, I brought you out of Egypt. You are mine. You are my servant. I am responsible for you. Therefore, I will redeem you if you follow the steps of restoration. You must be absolutely confident of Christ when it comes to you being rescued. If you doubt for a second that you cannot be rescued, you're not casting aspersions on anyone but your master who is a rescuer. It doesn't matter what situation you're going through, you must be confident that you will be rescued. And then you have to follow the steps of rescue and restoration. If he says, I want to rescue you by sending a helicopter, well then strap the blooming rope around you. If he says, walk on water, well, walk on water and avoid the flood. Whatever he tells you to do, as Mary said, do. But be confident that you will be rescued because at the very heart of the word salvation, sozo, is the simple meaning, rescuer. The very meaning of the word Jesus means rescuer. Joshua, rescuer. And therefore now God is saying, I want you to be rescuers too. But people will have to listen to the method of rescue. If you choose not to be rescued that way, that's entirely a person's um, choice. But you must for yourself know that there is no situation on the face of the earth, as long as you're alive here, that you cannot be rescued out of. Even you are rescued out of death, physical death, and then should you die, and you will die, unless you're raptured. You will be rescued from that too because it's a micro fraction of a second. We are the ones who will be crying for you. You will be happy. This God is a God of rescue. And so guys, we said this last time. Desire to give back to people what sin has stolen from them. Desire to give back to people what sin has stolen from them. Demonstrate the restoration of the cross. On, at the end of the day, what was Christ doing on the cross? Rescuing the world. Demonstrate the, demonstrate the restoration that you and I can give to people from whom sin has stolen things, we have the ability to restore. You must believe this. Eh? You must start dreaming it. I'm so blessed that I'm dreaming it. I'm not asking you to use that as a measure. But when you get obsessed with things, you dream about things. If you don't dream, doesn't mean you're not obsessed with it. It just means you're not a dreamer. I dream every night. 
since I was a kid, I can't remember a night I haven't dreamed. None of you appear in those dreams. <laughs> so, remember, we are proclaimers of jubilee. We are proclaimers of jubilee. Please don't forget that. We proclaim the year of jubilee perpetually upon people. And like I said, the next one year, you'll have so many encounters set up by God before the foundations of the earth. This insurance lady, others, and in each situation, through relationship, we proclaim jubilee. Not, not without relationship, through relationship. Through relationship. Hey, if you don't build things through relationship, why should people believe you? Through relationship, proclaim the year of God's favor. And what does the year of God's favor look like? The good news. What else? Opening of blind eyes. What else? Opening of prison doors. What else? Healing of the brokenhearted. What else? Opening of doors for those that are oppressed. What else? Restoration. What else? The spirit of joy instead of the spirit of heaviness. What else? Singing instead of mourning. What else? Oaks being raised in great strength. What else? Beauty instead of ashes. This is what restoration looks like. You think Christ is giving it to people himself? No. Throughout the world, whenever this happens, it is because Christ used someone to do it for someone. Do you realize that? Almost never is Christ giving anything to anyone directly except through people. How does joy come? It comes through an expression of words that are sent into your heart, either through a book, a poem, a song, a TV program, or words. How does comfort come? Either through a touch, a smile, an expression of words, some action. How does heaviness go away? either through a rebuke by a word or an introduction of joy through some other means. There is not a single situation on the face of the earth that God is doing except through people, sometimes believers and sometimes people who don't know God. When a poet writes a beautiful poem that people read and it lifts their heart up, it doesn't matter that the poet is not a Christian, but what he writes is from God. Because everything that he writes about, about the sunrise, about the beautiful forest trees, is coming from God. God can choose to do it directly, but he chooses not to do it directly. How much more us? I didn't say no. I said he chooses to do it mostly through people. It's his favorite way of doing things, guys. The battle was never between God and the devil. The battle was always between man and the devil. Therefore, the battle will be won by man, not by God. It'll be won by God in man. Acts 10.38 Again, God could have done this without Jesus. He didn't need to send Jesus down to the earth to accomplish these things. You think God can't heal someone with a stroke of lightning? Like benevolent lightning that just gives you a slight shock. And it gets your atrial fibrillation or whatever back into normal. But he chooses not to. Acts 10.38 And God anointed 
Not Jesus the Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. The Jacob of Vancouver, not Nazareth. So God anointed Jesus of Nazareth or Jacob of Vancouver or Rodrigo of Brazil or Sheldon of Hong Kong since he's going there shortly. So <laughs> God anointed, just so, I'm just prophesying early. <laughs> How, and if you notice, I left Jane out. <laughs> Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth or Jacob of Vancouver with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Let me read it one more time. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, or you, with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So here's a question. What's the target? The target is all who were being oppressed or harassed by the devil. That's a target. That's your target too. Anyone being harassed or oppressed by the devil is your target. Why? Because you're a restorer. Why? Because God is with you. Second, uh, you know, in uh, Isaiah 8.10, yeah, God is saying this. He says, devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, but it will not stand. You know why? For God is with us. Israel is saying this. Eh? Hey, you guys, go ahead. He, they're saying to the enemy, you devise your strategy. I'll th uh, it will be thwarted. You come up with your plans. It won't succeed. You know why? Because God is with us. Have a fierceness about this. Eh? When people are harassed and oppressed by the devil, say Say with confidence, and your confidence will grow. We'll talk about that. Say with confidence. You devise your strategy. God will thwart it. You come up with your plans and try to destroy. I'm telling you something. God is with us. This is no ordinary God. Eh? This is not some domesticated cat. This is a lion. There's a, there's a wildness about this Aslan. He's fierce. Eh? God with us is a different kind of God with us. It's not just about comfort. Rest restoration requires that things that are in bondage, that are broken, that are decaying, be undone. There's another scripture that I use often, almost every morning. Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. Depending on the version you read, it says this. God shouts destroy, but you thrust out the enemy. God shouts destroy. But he ain't thrusting out the enemy. When God shouts destroy, you go thrust out the enemy. You go thrust out the enemy. God is the one shouting destroy. He's given the command. Who is he waiting for? You. To do what? To thrust out the enemy. What's your response? If that is your target, what is your response? Your response is, you, you, you went around doing good, healing all. You went around doing good, healing all.
That's your response. So we know the target. What's your response? You went around doing good, healing all. This is your response. Are you sent? Yes. How do we know? John 20, verse 20 and 21. And Jesus called them and said, As I have been sent, so I send you. And then he breathed upon them, and they received the Holy Spirit. That's your response, but who is your source? How come you do this? Because God is with you. Source is established. You're not doing this on your own strength. You are getting more and more convinced that God is with you. It's not that you doubt that, but you sometimes don't realize it. Get obsessed with it. That God is with me. And God is with me means I will be rescued if I follow the steps that he gives me for rescue. If I don't follow the steps and try to do it any other way, then Isaiah 30 applies where it says, you shall live by the light of your own fire. And that won't keep you warm. But there is always rescue for every child and every servant of God because he is the master and he says, I brought you out of Egypt. You are my servant first and nobody else will have mastery over you. This is the surety that you and I should have about being rescued. Otherwise, we'll have to come up with some kind of theology that allows him to abandon us and still keep us happy. Source, God is with you. Agency. I mean, source is God, but through what agency does he make this happen? Agency, you're anointed with the Holy Spirit. and power. That's the agency at work. Your target is those that are harassed and oppressed by the devil. Your response is, I go around doing good, healing those that are oppressed by the devil. And oppression is not just sickness or disease. It can be misery, it can be sadness, it can be all those things mentioned in Isaiah 61. It can be brokenheartedness, it can be decay, it can be uh, being trapped, it can be being free and yet trapped, it can be all those things. But that's our response because we are sent to do exactly this. Who is the source? Where does your strength come from? It comes from God. Through what agency does it come? Not through prayer or fasting. That helps, but it ain't the agency. The agency is the Holy Spirit. And what has he done? He has commissioned you, selected you, separated you, anointed you. With what? With himself. And in coming himself, he now bestows power upon me. Do I for a second doubt that as I stand here, walk, as I leave this place, as I sleep, that I am anointed? No, I don't doubt that. I am anointed by God, not because I'm a pastor, but because I am a child of God. I am anointed. By whom? By the Holy Spirit. How do I know? Because he is upon me. Who says so? That God. It just is that I'm not aware of it always. I'm not convinced of it. This ain't the Old Testament where I have to sing songs like David sang when he says, cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Take not your spirit from me. He ain't going to take his spirit from me. He takes his spirit from me. I lie dead. Because my spirit and his spirit have become one. 
We'll talk about how we can be responsible so that there is an unbridled flow of God through you touching the world so that by the time you die, you have resurrected so many lives. Any questions? Guys, if you are persuaded of this, then you will become to begin to proclaim it. Persuasion and proclamation. Persuasion and proclamation are key to unleashing or releasing the life of God from within you, around you. Persuasion, being persuaded of it. How can you be persuaded of it? Persuasion must be preceded by... Uh, Sorry, proclamation must be preceded by persuasion. Persuasion must be preceded by you living and knowing the word. If I don't know the word, I can't be persuaded. Once I'm persuaded, I must proclaim because whatever I believe, I will confess. I will confess. Jesus' ministry was that way too. There were words of Jesus and there were works of Jesus. Words of Jesus, works of Jesus. Always went together. Words of Jesus, works of Jesus. The leper was healed. Why? Because Jesus said, I am willing. The lame man walked. Why? Because Jesus said, arise. The centurion knew that Jesus had only to speak a word. When Jesus said, go, demons went. Words of Jesus, works of Jesus. This is not complicated. As your persuasion grows in your heart that God is with you, you will go into situations not looking for an outcome, but looking to release life. The outcome you may see, you may not see. Sometimes immediately, sometimes later. But release life. Yeah, uh, he's asking, so how, how do you live the word? Uh, John 15, 7 puts it this way. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask anything and it shall be done for you. So what does it mean? If you abide in me, as in Jacob, if you begin to live in me and my words, the words that I've spoken begin to live in you. That's how he puts it. The message puts it this way. If you are at home in me and my words are at home, in you. So on one hand, it is you now walking with Christ and Christ's words becoming flesh in you. Once that happens, you are persuaded. Once you are persuaded, it is impossible to stay quiet. It is not possible. Your lack of proclamation will always betray your lack of persuasion. And the words you speak will reveal your heart. Who said it? Jesus. Out of the abundance of your mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You will know. It doesn't matter how much you swear your allegiance to Christ. When I hear you, when you're not in church, I will know what you believe. How is proclamation activated? By doing what Jesus tells you to do, man. Matthew chapter 10, I love this. Read it in the message. Matthew chapter 10. Uh, do you, if you want to see what restorers do and how restorers, how easily restorers can go into uh, work, turn to Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 1. 
Matthew 10, verse 5 to 10. In the message, eh, it reads really well. It, it makes it so simple. Matthew 10, verse 5 to 10 in the message. I love the way he calls us harvest hands. Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to lost, confused people right here in your neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here, meaning that my rule has started. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment, you are the equipment. And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day, travel light. Beautiful, eh? Let me read that again. Matthew 10, verse 5 to 10, from the message. Jesus sent out his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. Don't try to be dramatic by tackling some big public enemy. I threw in the big. Um, verse 6, go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, Touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. And all you need to keep going is three meals a day, travel light. Simple, eh? So how do you begin this process? The first thing he says is go preach. Preach what? That the king is here. What will happen then? You'll be forced to show evidence that the king is here. You'll be forced to show evidence that the king is here. The works happen when the words are spoken. And when the works happen, the words that you speak carry weight. The works happen when words are spoken. And when the works happen, your words carry weight. The works happen when the words are spoken. And when the works happen, your words carry weight. One last time. The works happen when the words are spoken. And when the works happen, your words carry weight. This is why Jesus in Luke chapter 10 verse 9 says, Go, heal the sick. And when you heal the sick, you can tell them that the kingdom is here. Luke 10, 9. So, here is a simple way to go about this, guys. It's really simple. I was astonished at the simplicity of it. Jesus expects us to make the same proclamation or announcement. And what is that announcement? The king is here. The king is here. And this is what he can do. <laughs> this is very difficult. You know this. But here's what he's saying. Here is what you are saying. The king is here. And then you're telling them what he can do. 
But to do that, there are a few things that you will have to do. One, you'll have to believe what he says. You'll have to boast. You'll have to be foolish. And the fourth one, you'll have to behave like God lives in you. Okay, so let's go over that. This is the main thrust of what we want to say here. If God is with you, then it is required that you announce for the rest of your days here on earth this simple proclamation. Hey, Jesus is here. And by the way, here is what Jesus can do. But to do that, you must, one, believe what he has done and what he can do. You must believe it. I can't help you with that because it is your call whether you believe it or not. Whether you mix it with a little water or milk or sugar, it's up to you. But if you want to drink it straight and strong, just believe what he says he can do. And if you believe it, then you must boast about it. You know what boasting is? Bragging. My dad is this. No, no, you think your dad is this. My dad is this. It's boasting. It's bragging on somebody. Why? Because the child is convinced that his dad is actually that. Boast. Pardon? No, there is no scripture that says that boast. But the scripture says if you boast, boast in the Lord. Yeah? If you boast, boast in the Lord. So what are you saying? Hey, guess what? Jesus can heal. Oh, you got a problem. Jesus can solve that. Oh, you got uh, issues. Jesus can take care of that. Oh, you're being attacked by demons. Jesus can take care of that. Oh, you know, Jesus can even raise the dead. Oh, Jesus can make you happy. Really? Jesus can make you happy? Yeah. Jesus can provide you a job. Every, the answer to everything is Jesus can do it. After you make your boast, now you're in trouble. Because <laughs> now you've gone ahead and tell, told them what Jesus can do. Pardon? Now the pressure is on. And that then leads us to the third step, which is be foolish. And what are we saying when we say be foolish? Be foolish to go ahead and do what you need to do. Be foolish when nothing happens. Be foolish when something happens. Be foolish. Because you ain't in command of the outcome. You're only in command of what Jesus does. I decided some days ago that doesn't matter what situation I'm going to be in, I'm going to say, hey, Jesus can do this. I mean, I would, it's like, my dad can do it. You got a problem? My dad can do it. That might sound a little loud, so just stick to Jesus. Jesus can do this. Whatever your situation. Why? Because I'm convinced without a shadow of a doubt that he is a rescuer. The difference between me and someone who does not know Jesus is not in the love he has for him or me. Jesus loves them as much as he loves me. The difference is I get to reciprocate that love and I get to experience that love. That is the quality that the redeemed possess. That they get to reciprocate love and they get to experience love. But it is not that someone is loved less in the world than someone in the kingdom. We are loved equally. Therefore, he is a rescuer. But how will they know he is a rescuer if someone doesn't tell them that he is a rescuer? But how will someone tell them that he is a rescuer if someone is not sent 
to tell them that he, he's a rescuer. Romans 10. And therefore I'm saying to you, but we are all sent. We are servant hands, harvest hands. And we know the truth. Now boast on it, as in boast in the Lord. Jesus went so far as to say that when they see the works that you do, they will believe in me. Look at what he's saying. That is hard. <laughs> Look at what, they're, what he's saying. He's saying, you go ahead and do greater things than I am doing and at least the things I'm doing. And when you do it, they will say, ah shucks. John 14 talks about that. So, everybody can hear, here can do this. The only thing I can't determine for you is this. If you believe that Jesus does not always heal, then that's what you will be able to boast about. If you believe he does heal, then you will be able... What do you believe? I'm telling you this. doesn't matter where we are at with our beliefs. We all believe good things in this church right now. There are good things that you believe. And do not believe out of your experience. Believe out of the truth of the word. You cannot believe out of your experience. Your experience does not count. If your experience is, who determ is what determines who God is, then I'm frightened of your God because your experience will color him. And my experience will color him. If it is not your experience that determines God, but it's the truth in the word that determines God, then what do you believe? To the extent that you believe, because there is nobody in this church right now who does not believe good things about God. Start boasting. That is the fearful place where you begin to say, my God can do this. I am determined throughout the rest of the year, in whatever situation I find myself, with strangers, with people that I have relationships with, with people that I'm building relationships with, that I will not wait for an opportunity someday in the future, but I will tell them now, because I am, he said, and I will grab an opportunity and say, oh yeah, uh, my God can help you. Not my God, Jesus can help you, because he's helped many that I know and he's helped me. And there begins the story. Whether they accept it or reject it, it's something that I'll have to live with. But my boast will not be silent because if I don't cry out, then the stones will, not the ones who are stoned, stones will cry out. Man, you're really going with this marijuana ban thing, eh? <laughs> Sheldon. So, the stones will cry out. The stones will cry out. And then after I boast, now comes the next step. Oh, so you think your Jesus can heal? Well, then heal me. And now comes the big step. You think your Jesus can change my situation? Well, then change my situation. Then comes a big step. And that is when you have to be non-Christianese or Christianese, depending on who you're relating to. And you've got to be foolish. And the foolishness is in two areas. Eh? One, what you're going to do because you're stepping out on a limb. Two, what if nothing happens? One is in your command, one isn't. There are two reasons why we don't see miracles. One, we never pray for them. Two, people in this part of the world have many other places to go to before they seek a miracle. When you don't have money, there are banks, there are lines of credit, there's your credit card, there are friends, there are loan sharks. Um, or there's money under your mattress. So there are different places you go to for money. But in a world where there are no such uh, opportunities, the simple will turn to God 
and cry out. And they'll open their fish, uh, open their fridge, and there's a fish called Simon in their fridge. And they eat Simon, and they open their fridge the next day, and the Simon is there again. So that's one reason why miracles happen. The second reason why miracles happen, often in other parts of the world, um, and please don't think it's in the other parts of the world, other, the miracles, signs, wonders will start happening in your life when it has become your constant boast and it's become your constant method of foolishness. You will see it. Attempt a thing ten times and you will see results five times. Attempt a thing hundred times and guess how many times you're seeing the results now? Fifty, if everything stays the same. You know what it'll do when you see fifty miracles? You'll start calling yourself pastor. And then finally behave like God. Because otherwise we will end up in the same boat as those that Jesus said. Lord, we did miracles in your name. We spoke in tongues in your name. We healed, we cast out demons. And what did Jesus say? I don't even know you. Because there is something called behavior. Because remember, the works that the Holy Spirit does, like miracles, signs, wonders, word of knowledge, are all a disclosure of the activity of the Holy Spirit. But your behavior is the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And if the fourth one doesn't add up, then people will get what they want, but they will never follow the one you have just presented to them because your behavior doesn't match up. That's really all I wanted to say, guys. The more responsible you are, the more authority you have. Huh? The more responsible you are, the more authority you have. The anointing is upon you. The Spirit of God is upon you. But authority is basically the ability to be responsible uh, with the power that is upon you. Authority is the ability to be responsible for and with the power of God in the person of the Holy Spirit upon you. Authority is the ability to be responsible to steward the power of God present in your life by the person of the Holy Spirit. And the more I'm responsible, the more I leverage my authority, the more it is legitimized, the more I leverage it. And so the more responsible you are, the more you can responsibly ex exercise or release the power of God. And that is a constant thing we are walking towards, right? We're constantly moving towards that. Any questions, guys? Because I'll conclude. The more responsible you are before him, the greater the authority behind the proclamation and the unbridled flow of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not trying to add this up and make Christmas, this sound like a Christmas message. That's like saying Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Christmas, God has come to save his people. He has come to set the captives free. He has come to forgive sinners. He has come to heal the sick. He has come to raise the dead. He has come to drive out demons. He has come to pour out his spirit. He has come to intervene. He has come to restore. Christmas, God has come to save his people. God has come to set the captives free. God has come to forgive sinners. God has come to heal the sick. God has come to raise the dead. God has come to drive out demons. God has come to pour out the spirit. God has come to intervene. God has come to restore. Just think of that again, eh? Christmas, God has come to save his people. God has come to set the captives free. God has come to forgive sinners. God has come to heal the sick. 
God has come to raise the dead. God has come to drive out demons. God has come to pour out his spirit. God has come to intervene. God has come to restore. Through whom? Us. By the agency of the spirit. We cannot back down from this. John 1.4 put it this way. And he was the light of man and he was life. And that light has come into the world and the darkness cannot, has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. It cannot. The light in me, the life in me of God, no darkness can overcome. No darkness can overcome. Now when we start doing this, and I pray God that we do it. Any questions, guys? Any questions? I'm done. Any questions? Is this difficult? Yes. Which part? The boasting, because you know after boasting you'll have to be foolish. That's the difficult part. The believing is completely up to you. There's nothing anybody can do to force you to believe. Even Jesus can't force you to believe. No one can force you to believe. You believe what you think you want to believe. But if it ain't the truth, it ain't going to help. You believe there is no gravity? Try it. Come to my place. It's on the 20th floor. But let me know. <laughs> so, what you believe no one can determine. Boast. Boast, man. Boast. Your boasting gets louder when your belief is solid. Be foolish. When I go for these pastors' retreats, I know that most pastors can't play ping pong because uh, ping pong is not a common Canadian thing. So when I go for these uh, pastors' retreats, there's a table tennis board at the retreat center. So I'll start uh, boasting that, hey, anybody wants to play ping pong? Because this is one game I can beat them all at. And so I'm so confident and persuaded of my belief that uh, I'm good at ping pong that I'll challenge anyone, man. Um, and so I'll start boasting. I'll start needling them, um, forcing them to play me because this is one game I can beat most pastors at. And so my boast is so strong because I believe I'm good at it. And then next thing is, okay, now that you boasted, show them, be foolish. And then there was this guy called Ryan who became the pastor at um, Ebenezer Baptist. I didn't know he was really good. I played seven games and I got beaten in all seven. But that's the outcome. Be foolish. There's nothing you can do about it. Be foolish. And finally, behave like God lives in you. After you get beat, even though you want to throttle him, walk away with your hands in your pockets and say nice things as good game. <laughs> walk away. Alrighty.
Let's just pray. Father, this is easy. I know it can be done by us. I just pray that we take these four things. What do we believe? Am I willing to boast about it? As in, Jesus can do this. Jesus can do this. Am I willing to boast about it? If I boast it, I will be put in a place where I will have to be foolish. When I am foolish, you always show off because foolishness provokes you. Foolishness provokes you. Foolishness provokes you. Joshua was foolish. Noah was foolish. David was foolish. Paul was foolish. Peter was foolish. Foolishness provokes you. And then, Father, people will know the rescuer, not just hear about the rescuer. Now that you have seen what my God can do, repent, change your heart.